UK report. Well, it is seven minutes to eight, and as we heard, Adam is away this week, so it's a great pleasure to welcome John Adderley. John, nice talking to you. I see Theresa May's under pressure at the G20 over Brexit. I'm not surprised. Good to be with you, John. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the new Prime Minister's first outing on the world stage at this G20 summit in China, and everyone wants to know more, quite understandably, wants to know more about plans for leaving the European Union. Still very short on details. She, she spent the summer saying Brexit means Brexit, and she won't fire the starting gun on leaving this year. But I think that mantra's run out of steam now. She's got to come up with some specifics, or I think that this country risks getting a little bit left behind, and there was a very stark um, reminder of what's at stake. Standing alongside the Prime Minister at the summit, President Obama said he doesn't want to punish Britain, because remember on a visit to London in the run-up to the vote, he said we'd have to go to the back of the queue. Mm. But Barack Obama did say trade deals with the rest of Europe and Pacific countries will come first. We've already had reports that Australia could be the first country to sign a free trade agreement with the UK once we come out of the European Union. Uh, Japan have been rattling the cage and getting all very twitchy. Of course, we've got thousands of jobs reliant on, you know, particularly the big car makers uh, from Japan, other Japanese industries represented here as well. Could they pull the plug on the UK, move their headquarters to other countries, uh, leaving thousands of people without jobs? There's an awful lot at stake. Uh, so the pressure is on her. And there's also some doubt uh, that making headlines this morning about what she's going to do about immigration. What about the point system that Australia and other countries have? Uh, she's not sure if that's workable. That's what a lot of Leave campaigners promised. My, oh, my, on the day the House of Commons go back uh, to business, first day of term. There's an awful lot in Theresa May's intro. Absolutely. What a time to become Prime Minister, eh? And we've had so many sex allegations over the last couple of years in the, in the UK. Now you've got the chairman of a parliamentary committee at the centre of one. Yeah, very well-known, prominent Labour MP. Some would say, you know, that he's a self-publicist in many ways. He likes the limelight. He likes chairing this very influential Commons Home Affairs Committee. There had lots of big figures in, in, front of, uh, in front of the committee questioning them about, about various misdemeanours and controversies. And now he's at the centre of one uh, and some. Um, there's a claim from a Sunday newspaper that Keith Vaz, this Labour MP, oh, the Commons no. Home Affairs Committee... You know who we're talking about now. Yes, um, I've, I've admired him the way he handles himself, and I thought there is a man of dignity and power and a good man. And tell us more, John. Yeah, he's done some good, obviously, in bringing people to account uh, over many important things. Well, there was a claim in the Sunday Mirror that he paid, uh, allegations that he paid for the services of male escorts. Uh, there's also a claim that there was a discussion about using the legal party drug poppers, although no payment on this occasion. And here's the thing, uh, quite apart from the fact he's an MP, of course, Keith Vaz was among those who successfully persuaded the government not to criminalise such uh, drugs, such substances earlier this year. And his committee a couple of months ago also recommended a relaxation of prostitution laws. So although you've got some people saying what he does in his private life doesn't mm. affect his work, you can see some potential overlap here with the, the, the business of the committee he chairs. So surely he'll stand aside at least while these claims are investigated. He's got his law involved. He says he's going to talk to his committee first tomorrow, but you would think that he's got to declare that at least he's standing to one side 
for the time being. So what his quote is, is that it's deeply disturbing that a national newspaper should have paid individuals to act in this way. So there's no confirmation or denial of the claims, just about the story, if you like, and how it's uh, made the front pages. So that's another one for the first day of term for uh, MPs to think about. (laughs) And the great fire sculpture was set alight. I don't believe it. Briefly tell us about that, John. The culmination of several days of events marking the 350th anniversary of the Great Fire of London, a 120-metre-long wooden sculpture of the 17th-century London skyline, how it could have looked before the Great Fire. It was uh, put together by American burn artist David Best on a barge on the River Thames. Crowds gathered last night. They set it alight. Spectacular light show, as you would imagine. Uh, And uh, it's a dramatic retelling of the story of the Great Fire of London. Oh, right. I thought it had been set on fire deliberately and not it was not meant to be set on fire. I missed that one. That's a very creative thing to do, isn't it? John Adderley in for Adam with our UK reports.